Welcome to the June 6th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is John chapter 12, verses 37 through 50, and the sermon is entitled, The Simple Choice God Offers, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. We're going to move ahead in a great study, for me a great study, through the Gospel of John. You know, you read a book all of your life, and you think you're fully immersed in it, but when I have been pulling these verses apart and putting the theology together, I... I'm realizing how much I have never picked up from the Gospel of John. And I pray that's your witness. I pray that is your learning as we are going through these verses step by step. This is sermon number 43. We're well over halfway through the Gospel now in chapter 12. Turn your Bible there. And as we close chapter 12 in our journey today, I want to begin this sermon with a warning. I want you to understand that this is a regrettable passage of Scripture. This is a hard passage of Scripture. It deals with unbelief. It deals with a refusal to come to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It deals with shame to proclaim Him as Lord if you believe Him. And so we're going to look at these words from John chapter 12. I love the gospel. It frames out so much of Jesus' life that we get a well-rounded view of the Son of God as he walked on the earth. But we learn this in the gospel of John as well as the other gospels. Jesus had some tremendous high points in his life and in his ministry. People who loved him, people who followed him, people who worshipped him, people who came to him as Lord and Savior, people who were healed through his ministry. There were so many joys in Jesus. Jesus' life. But on the other side of the spectrum, as we see the life of Jesus through the Gospel of John, he lived a life of pain as well. People who would not believe him, people who would not come to him, people who were following him, but once they learned about really who he was and the sacrifice that it takes to serve him, they walked away from him, and the Greek language indicates they never came back once they walked away people who rejected him, people who shouted, crucify him. So Jesus' life had its joys, and it had so many sorrows. Uh, And in fact, as we look at the life of Jesus Christ, we realize that Jesus was the most polarizing personality in all of the world of any human being who ever or ever will live. People hated him, people loved him. He is the most loved person who ever lived, and at the same time, he was the most hated person who ever lived. Our passage of John 12 today shows us rejection and refusal and shame. So let's get the setting here as we get started on the runway. John chapter 12 portrays Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We call it Palm Sunday, a mere five days before the event of the cross. And as Jesus came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, you remember they waved palm branches, they laid them on the ground for the little donkey to walk on, they shouted, Hosanna, save us, save us now. It was a day of joy, and yet Jesus coming into Jerusalem knew that that was his last few days on earth before the cross. And as he came into Jerusalem, even in the midst of people shouting Hosanna, he bore with him the weight of the cross on his shoulders. And he realized that the agony of the cross was simply a few days away. And so his message in Jerusalem now, in the last days where he spent his life before the cross, his message was filled with passion, with invitation, with pulling people to himself as Lord and Savior. Come to me as the door. Come to me as the good shepherd. Come to me as the Lord of life and the Son of God. 
He is in the city of Jerusalem. It is the week of Passover, one of the high holy days of the Jewish faith. And people from all over the world who were connected with Judaism, if they could make the trip, they would come to Jerusalem, the holy city where the temple was, that they might celebrate the Passover in the holy city. So the city was swollen with people from all over the world, from every nation and every color coming into Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. God orchestrated it so that would be the week of the cross. And Jesus was highly known in this day. He had raised Lazarus from the dead just days before. And so the crowds were watching for him and seeing him, wanting to touch him, wanting to talk to him. The scribes and the Pharisees stood on the sidelines criticizing him, rejecting him, and planning their plan of murder for him to get him off the face of the earth. They hated him so much. In this chapter of John 12, then, Jesus is making a very, very public statement about who he is. And he's making a very public invitation to come to him as Lord and Savior. John chapter 12, verses 35 and 36, he's referring to himself, and all who hear him need to heed these words. Look at John 12, verses 35 and 36. Here's God's word. Then Jesus said unto them, if you have a red-letter Bible, you know then these are Jesus' words, yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. So as John chapter 12 is unfolding here, Jesus comes to the city of Jerusalem during Passover. The population is multiplied by the influx of people from all over the world. And in this very, very public setting, Jesus calls out to the multitudes an invitation an invitation to all people. It did not matter the nation they were from. It did not matter their religious background. It didn't matter if they were slave or free, rich or poor, black or white, or somewhere in between. He issued this invitation to all people saying, I stand with you now as the light, as the Son of God in this dark, sin-filled world. Come to me because I am the light of the world. Believe me, follow me as the light, and you will be my children of light. This is one of the most public invitations that Jesus ever gave to the multitudes who were gathered in Jerusalem on that day. Believe me, follow me. People from nations all over the world hearing his words, seeing, I believe literally seeing his open arms of invitation, come to me as children of light. So in this moment of invitation, as I've set the stage, here's the question. Jesus gave an invitation. What was the response to the invitation? That's what we study today. So look with me to John chapter 12, and we're going to begin with verse 37. Keep your Bible open during the whole sermon. If you're at your kitchen table, uh, somewhere in your home, keep your Bible open during the whole sermon. I'm going to go a little further in Scripture, but let's look at verses 37 through 43 at this moment. Go to verse 37. Here's John's gospel. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. That the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, 
that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted, that I should heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also, many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Stop right there for a few moments. Let's think about those words. As you read this text, one word becomes very prominent throughout the text beginning back with 35 and 36 that I started with, one word becomes very prominent. The word is believe. Sometime in your Bible, underline every time you see a form of the word believe in this text. The, the, the form of the word that the gospel writer John uses and Jesus uses over and over again is the Greek word pisteo. And basically that Greek word means when you believe, you are totally persuaded in that which you believe. You fully trust your belief. You put the full weight of your mind and your heart and your soul and your spirit in what you believe. It's not just a, a sidestep of life. It is the centerpiece of life. You believe with all of your heart and with all of your mind. And that's important. Believe here is a verb, a Greek verb. It's a word of action. Here's a very important point. If you're taking notes, don't miss this one. When you believe in the Lord Jesus, it will change your life. It will change the way you think. It will change the way you act. It will change the way you deal with people inside your home and outside in public. It will change you when you know Jesus and you believe in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. It is the dividing point of life. So this word, as Jesus uses it, means you believe, and what you believe makes you who you are. It affects everything you think and everything you do. Every person has one dividing line in life. Now, I did not make this up. I did not find this online. This is a Bible's word. Every person in the world, no matter their nation, their color, their background, every person has one dividing line in life, according to the Bible. You live and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord or you refuse him. There is no gray area. There is no maybe I believe. Maybe I'll serve. Maybe I'm saved. It's a dividing line of life. You either know Jesus and you believe Jesus and he changes your life as your Savior or you have refused him and live as you choose. And that's the dividing line of life laid out by the Bible. The Word of God lays down a very direct, very simple principle. Believe in Christ or refuse Him. There's no middle ground. You live in life or you live facing death. Your eternity depends on that which you believe. You believe in Jesus or you refuse Him. A child can understand that. I said to the group this morning, believers come to the waters of baptism. I have baptized a four-year-old years ago. I don't do that very often, but this was a very precocious child. And she understood the difference between living for Jesus and refusing Jesus. We have to make that stance in our life when we truly believe Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. So in John chapter 12, Jesus is speaking words of invitation and he's performing miracles of power and authority, such as raising Lazarus from the dead. He has power over the grave and power over death. And all can see and know that he is God Almighty on earth, and yet many will not believe in him. That's the, 
That's the force of this passage that we're reading today. Jesus shows himself as Savior, and many turn him away. Listen again to verse 37, 1237. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. So this verse in Greek is saying that there's this large-scale, catastrophic unbelief even in the nation of Israel that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, that Jesus largely was the light and people were coming to him. They didn't understand it and they would not come to him. Many people simply would not believe the word of invitation from Jesus. And yet old John the Gospel writer says in verse 38, 700 years before Jesus was born in the manger and walked the soil of earth, seven centuries before he came, Isaiah prophesied this was going to happen. 700 years before the prophet Isaiah said this was going to happen. He's referring to Isaiah 53, verses 1 and 3. Write that down. You don't have to turn there, but I want you to hear these words so you can get back. Write it down. Isaiah 53, verses 1 and 3. Here's what Isaiah wrote 700 years before Jesus was born here. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. That's exactly what he's going through, John chapter 12. Also, John chapter 12 verse 40 says this. He, now this is a reference to God Almighty. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted and I should heal them. That's a direct quote of Isaiah chapter 6 verse 10. And it's a statement of free will. And you must understand what the Hebrew language is expressing here through the prophet Isaiah. Basically in Hebrew what the prophet is saying is this, that God Almighty will allow people to have blind eyes. And God in free will toward us will allow us to have a heart that is hard toward the Savior. And God in His magnificence and glory will allow people to reject His Son. It is not His heart but he will allow it. I want you to, again, write this down, a key verse of Scripture. This is underline it, dog-ear the page. You need to get back to this one. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. This is what Scripture says. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is never God's will to condemn a person to hell. It is not God's will for any human being to go to hell, but he will allow you and me to make a choice about his son Jesus, accepting or rejecting Jesus, and God in his magnificence says, it's totally up to you. It is your free will decision. Now, while many religious leaders in Israel outwardly rejected Jesus, the scribes and the Pharisees, John tells us here in this, this passage of Scripture, there were some religious leaders who were coming around and believing that Jesus indeed was the Son of God, but they continued in opposition, and they would not confess Jesus. Why? 
Look at John 12, verses 42 and 43. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. So there were leaders in the Jewish faith who were opening their eyes and seeing Jesus as the Son of God, but they would not speak his name in faith. They would not make a public acceptance of Jesus and openly confess him. Why? Because they were ashamed of him. They were ashamed to make a public stand before him. They were intimidated by the Pharisees who said, if you confess Jesus, we're going to fire you from your job. And not only that, but we will never allow you back into a synagogue or back into the temple or any worship service for God Almighty ever again. You will be totally banned from worship of God in our nation. If you accept Jesus, we'll fire you and ban you. And they were intimidated so much they would not confess him. So rather than go public with their faith and be humiliated, they put Jesus in a closet and closed him away. They would rather have the praise of men than to offer their praise to God. Does that still happen today? Oh, yes. If I say I love Jesus and follow his word, somebody might label me as weird or a nut job that I have to have a savior that I don't have enough wisdom to live on my own that I need someone to direct my path and show me the steps of life so I might hide Jesus because the world will call me weird call me crazy call me a nut because I follow him if I say I need Jesus people in the world will say well you just need a crutch for life because you yourself are weak maybe some say I don't come to Jesus because my friends will reject me. I won't be able to go to their party scenes anymore, and they're going to see a difference in me and a difference in my life and a difference in the way I live. So I can't come to Jesus because my friends will leave me. I can't come to Jesus. I can't proclaim Jesus because I'm going to be ostracized from this modern thinking world. I'm not going to be buying into the philosophies of the world as we see them in the modern day, and the world will reject me. I can't come to Jesus because I'll be ostracized out. No one will come to me and have a friendship with me. I'll be thrown out. Listen, fellow believers. I want you to listen, brothers and sisters. Here, online, wherever you are, listen to this. No matter what anyone in the world might say, never be ashamed of your Savior. Never hide Him in a closet. Don't hide your love for Him. Don't hide your life in Him. There's no such thing as a believer living in a closet of shame, a closet of humiliation, a closet of fear. We stand up and stand out for the Savior. What happens if we're ashamed of Jesus? Get this reference down. Luke chapter 9, verse 26. Just write it down. Listen to what Jesus says. This is a word from Christ. Luke 9, 26. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Never be ashamed of Jesus because one day he would be ashamed of us for hiding him. Well, as we close the passage here today, it's a sad passage, isn't it? 
But let's close it with the final words of John chapter 12. Look with me to verses 44 through 50. So here we are still in a public setting, multitudes hearing what Jesus is saying. Verse 44, Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that sent, seeth me seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. A very public statement of Jesus to the multitudes. 2,000 years ago, Jesus is crying out to all of these people from all over the world in Jerusalem. And this cry rises up to this day. He says, to believe me, to put your trust in me, to put your belief in me, to come to me as Lord and Savior is to come to God Almighty in life. And Jesus said, I am the light overcoming the darkness and the sin of the world. Now go back to verses 46 and 47 quickly. He said, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. Let's think on that a minute. If a man believe not, I judge him not. Don't miss what Jesus is saying here. Jesus didn't come to judge the world at this point. He came to save the world. He came to offer the invitation of life to every single person. And that is still so very true today. He's not the judge today. He's the Savior today. He has an invitation today for every single person. His arms are wide open. He wants to give every person the choice of coming to Him as Lord and Savior. Accept me and be forgiven and be saved. Or reject me and lose your life for eternity. By the word and the will of God, it's your call, He says. Here are my open arms. I want you to choose me. I want you to come to me. I want you to profess me and believe me as your Lord and Savior. So this moment, Jesus is standing representative in the center of the world with all the nations represented there. And he's showing himself as Savior, not as judge. No matter your sin, I came to save you. I came to make you children of light. But don't miss this. One day to come, and that day could be very close at hand. The doorway to the Savior's invitation will be closed. The Savior's invitation is not eternal. There's a time frame on His invitation to life. When the moment of death comes for every single person, you know, the Bible gives us over 7,000 promises to live on, but the fact that any one of us will sidestep death is not a promise of the Bible. And when the moment of death comes for you or for me, our decision for Jesus Christ, when we close our eyes in death, our decision for Jesus Christ stands forever. 
There is no evidence in the Bible of U-turns after death, second chances, second choices, alternative routes. It's not there in the Bible. You can study it all you want. It's not there. When we close our eyes in death, our decision has been set in stone for all eternity. And the Bible plainly tells us one day to come in finality that Jesus is going to rapture his church. The world is going to go through seven years of a horrible tribulation and then God is going to finalize and close all of human history and at that moment every single decision of every single human being will be set in stone for all eternity and heaven will be open and hell will be open and both will have residence God Almighty will confirm your choice now remember 2nd Peter chapter 3 verse 9 it is not his will that any one person should ever perish. God judges, and he will be the judge, based on your choice for Jesus, his son, the dividing line of life. Did you come to him? Did you accept him? Did you believe him? Did you know him? Or did you refuse him and reject him? God will judge based on your and my decision. Remember Hebrews 9, 27, and it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. So Jesus said, I'm not the judge now. I've come as Savior, but the day of judgment will come. It's not now. Jesus' arms are still wide open. The invitation is still effective for any person who will come to Jesus as Lord and Savior. But my question to you, have you chosen to believe on Jesus, and has it changed your life? If your life has not changed, if your mind is not directed by him, be careful of how you've made your choice. Knowing Jesus in a true relationship of belief will change your life and change the way you live. It's not like believing on Santa Claus or a fairy tale it's changing your life. It's placing your life on the line. It's saying, Lord Jesus, my life is totally yours. My trust totally leans on you. I'm not going to sit down in shame. I'm not going to be lazy. I'm going to be active in the field of work in the kingdom of God. That's the life in Jesus Christ. Believer, can we recommit to a non-compromising life of belief? You know, when, when we finish here today, it's not like, okay, I've done my religious duty for the week. I'm going to close the door on the church and I'll hope to be back next week and live the way I want this week. That's not the case at all. The case is now that we have worshiped together, however you've come to worship today, we're going to go into the world to change the world with the love of Jesus Christ. We, we have a commission. We have a mission. We, we have a responsibility to go into the world now because Jesus changed us to be witnesses for him. Recommit your life to that. I need to recommit my life to that. And today, if you do not know Jesus as Savior, simply not knowing him makes you a rejecter. You've refused him if you haven't come to him. You've never surrendered your heart to him. But here's the, the Bible's truth. It's not my stray thought. I'm not here to be your judge. I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm not here to be a bully. I'm here to say this. One day, the dividing line will be set for you for all eternity. And now is the day to hear the invitation that I get to speak. It's not my invitation. It comes from Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Savior. And he said, my arms are wide open to you. 
I went to the cross and I bled and I died on that cross to take your sin away, to forgive you. The perfect Lamb of God took your sin on His shoulders and died for you. And I rose from the grave to promise you that you'll have eternal life. My arms are open. Won't you simply come and believe? Won't you come to me? I'm waiting for you. It is not my Father's desire that anybody be separated from Him in hell. It's not His desire. Come to me. It is my joy to offer you salvation and forgiveness and grace and eternity in heaven. It's your invitation if you've never received Him. If you're watching online, it doesn't matter where you are, you can accept this invitation this moment today. If you're here, I would ask you to make that decision public, to come to Jesus because the Savior is truly waiting for you to come. Church home, whatever you need, he meets us here. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for these precious moments in your house. Lord, this is a challenging sermon, and yet it's a sermon that the world needs to hear. I pray that every pulpit in America and in the world will preach the dividing line of life because it is so absolutely true as it's revealed in your word. I pray, Father, for we who have received you as Savior, expressed our belief in you that it takes over our life and changes us that we'll be your witness in this world for that one who needs you Lord today I pray he or she'll know you're, you're not here to be the judge right now you're here to be the Savior and you want that life no matter what they've done no matter where they're from you want that life as your own child bless them Lord bless that boy girl man or woman who simply needs to say yes to Jesus today as Savior and believe on him Church home, whatever the need, meet us here in this place. Lord, help our decisions in Jesus' name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.